But what I love about what you're talking about is how can I actually add disproportionate value to the business, whether I'm the operator or whether I'm an advisor coming in to help support that company. And I want to buy as much of that business as I feel comfortable with at the valuation that I feel comfortable with, and then taking the skills, knowledge, and experience that you have to then go out and be able to grow the value exponentially and set that business up for either amazing cash flow or a beautiful exit on the end. I'm Steven Pesavento, and welcome to the Name Your Number podcast presented by The Investor Mindset. As someone who comes from a challenging childhood, I've spent my life seeking financial security, personal growth, and ultimately freedom. The freedom to not wake up worried about the next paycheck, but rather with the confidence of knowing that my passive income pays my bills without the need to think about it. When you name your number that you'll earn passively, that creates your ultimate quality of life, then I believe you've achieved real freedom. Welcome to my show. It's time to name your number. Today, I have Andrew Heggins in the studio. How are you doing today, Andrew? I'm doing great, Stephen. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm excited to talk with you today because it's you're in a unique position in the marketplace. You ran a business for many years. You ended up selling that. And then you kind of got your eye on private equity. And private equity is starting to become a lot more popular. There's a lot of people talking about it. Um, but you've been in the space in different fashions and forms for, for many years. So I'm excited to talk about that because I think there's so many people who are trying to figure out, hey, how do I hit my number? How do I take the skills and knowledge and expertise I have? And how do I go and make the most money doing the thing that I love? And how do I then use investments to be able to get to the kind of life that I want to live? And you're living that, you know, after that exit, you're in a position where you truly had optionality. And a lot of people want to get there. So I'm excited to talk through that today. Before we get into that, let's look back all the way back at your childhood. What experiences or influences shaped who you are today? Great question. I mean, how long you got? Um, I'm sure a lot of things <laughs> influenced me, but you know, I had great parents. Um, I think it's, it's maybe common in our generation or younger generations for people to talk about uh, their problems and, you know, <laughs> problems with their parents or whatever. I'm more like, you know, I want to talk about the good things that my parents gave me. Uh, and I'm a parent also. So, um, you know, I'm not a perfect person. They weren't perfect people, but I hope my kids someday can talk about, you know, the positive things that I gave them. My mom and my dad are both incredibly hard workers, right? They're, they're very hardworking people. Um, so I think I definitely picked up work ethic from them. I also just high standards, like with my mom, it was just assumed like you're going to get A's in school. And if you're not like, what, why not? Like, but it was just assumed. And I think sometimes even just that that assumption, it's almost like a form of confidence. It's like in one way you could be like, oh, it's a high standard. It's really strict. But in another way you could be like, oh, my mom's confident in me. She thinks I'm smart. She thinks that I can get A's at school. So that was a huge influence. Uh, and my dad was a business owner and an entrepreneur. He owned uh, like a, a auto, like a used car lot that also did car repair, car services. And I worked at his car shop from age, I want to say age 11, age 12, at least a little bit, you know, on Saturdays. And I think I just soaked up 
so much of the spirit of entrepreneurship from him, which looking back, I mean, that's an incredible blessing. Yeah. A lot of people focus on the problems because problems equal pain and pain moves people forward and pain forces people to go out and learn how do they not want to live or what do they not want to do and how do they break through. But at the same time, the pleasure, the experience, the positive is the foundation that you can also take and create meaning from. So, you know, work that ethic, high standards, those are things that knowing you are so clear in how it set you up to get where you're at today. And so let's talk about this business. You sold a business 12, 18 years ago. You had a big exit. What happened when you decided to sell? And what door did that open to you when it came to investing? Yeah, good question. So, and I should mention uh, Jimmy Atkinson and I, he's been sort of a, a serial business partner of mine. And uh, I've also had a couple other business partners like that, Michael, Rich, just a couple other guys kind of in my orbit. And Jimmy and I had built a few different businesses that we had sold. Um, and, you know, you kind of do that once. It's, it's, I've never flipped a house, but it's probably kind of like house flipping. Like you, you buy a house, you flip it, you make 30 grand or whatever. You get that rush and you're like, well, that was pretty cool. Let's do that again. And maybe the next one's a little bigger, right? So... Jimmy and I actually met at the University of Notre Dame. We were roommates and his dad, by the way, was also an entrepreneur, also a business owner. So it was just like in our blood. And we started this tiny little marketing, online marketing business in our dorm room, which grew into a small lead generation business that we sold. And then we built a slightly larger lead generation business that we sold. And then our next project was the one that, that you referenced, ETF database. And this was, was a little bit different, I guess, in that maybe maybe as opposed to our previous businesses, this was a little bit more of a passion for us because it was in the area of finance. Um, and so he and I, we, we both had online marketing knowledge and ability and just kind of general website entrepreneurship, you know, kind of skills. So we recruited another friend of ours, Michael Johnston, and the three of us built this business ETF database that at its peak, like really pretty quickly grew to be the largest ETF specific media property in the United States. And if you think about all of the money that goes into ETFs every day, um, well, that's a pretty valuable market position to have, right? But but at the time, you know, we we didn't really know totally how to leverage that, right? Like the business made money. It was like a good business, but like looking back, I'm like, wow, we, we could have done more with that market position than what we did, which is fine. Um, you know, life goes on and you learn, right. But, but we ended up getting an offer from a private equity minded, uh, individual company that had a vision of, well, we could, we could buy this company and we could uh, buy this other one or merge it. And, you know, we could build something really big that would have a lot of enterprise value. So we sold it. And, you know, when you're in your mid twenties or late twenties and all of us were either were just married or were about to get married. And so when you can have a nice exit and then go around and like, you know, pay cash for a house and, and not have to worry about the next year or two of work, what you're going to do. 
it actually is life changing, right? So it doesn't need to be like a, a a nine figure exit or whatever to be life changing. It just needs enough to where, for me, I was like, well, well, now that that this deal happened, I can literally do whatever I want. Like I can't do nothing. Like I I didn't. It's not like I made enough money that I could just you know, go buy a yacht and live on my yacht or something. But, but I had enough money where I was like, I, I'm just going to be an entrepreneur forever. I'm going to either build businesses or later on, I realized like, Oh, maybe I could buy businesses. Um, it, but that was a turning point, I would say. Yeah. It, it's a moment like that, that when you make that kind of money, not tens of millions of dollars, not hundreds of millions of dollars, but millions of dollars so that you are in a position where that money could work without you ever working and you could live a pretty good life, but yet it gives you that space, that confidence to feel like you can go and have the creative desire to go after something that you also love, that you also enjoy, that, that is enriching and fun. And it becomes a game. Once you understand that the game of that business is simply just a game and that, it's a fun one to play if you find those skills and strategies that work. Um, yet one of the things that I, I'm hearing from you is that you recognize, oh, well, we could have actually played the game before we sold even differently. But the only way that you got to that point of being able to recognize that was because you actually got in, you started doing things, you had experiences and you had an exit so that you can step back and be able to say, oh, great. How am I going to go take this to the next thing? Absolutely. You're right. And I mean, that to me points to, it, it took me a long time to really understand private equity and, and what it even is. And I, I think the, the word can kind of mean different things in different contexts. But, but even at the time, even prior to selling ETF database, the previous lead generation business that Jimmy and I built and sold, you know, we sold it to this private equity group, which is really just like two guys in their 40s who were wealthy, who bought business, you know, who like were kind of shrewd in a good way, buying businesses and growing them. And to me, it like kind of had a little bit of a mystique, like, who are these guys? And it, it like no one really explained it to me or at least it didn't click at the time but I, I, over time i've kind of realized there's a, a little bit of a formula for this and in my opinion like this is just my take on it what private equity really is at this micro level at least at the small level is there's two ingredients there's there's money and then there's an entrepreneur so so in other words if you start a business but you don't really have any finance, like, you know, you're just start starting it off a shoestring budget and you're bootstrapping it. That's not really private equity. That's just an entrepreneurial venture, mm -hmm. uh, which is fine, by the way, like, that's great. Um, by contrast, if you invest in something and it's purely passive, like I'm just buying Apple stock or Google stock or something, um, well, that's public. That's the public equities market. What private equity has been for me it's been a way to leverage the fact that, okay, I have entrepreneurial skills, right? And I can, I, I know enough about businesses that there are some types of businesses I can look at them and say, this is a good business, but you know, it would be even better if you did this and you did that and you, you, you change your marketing plan 
and, and did a few. So like applying an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mindset to an existing business, and then also having access to capital to where you can say, you know what, I'm, this isn't just theoretical. I'm going to buy this business and I'm going to do those things that I think could enhance this business. So, it's, and you kind of, you do need that entrepreneurial um, experience or ability because otherwise you're just buying a business, but you're not really unlocking any value, right? So you need, you need to have the capital to buy the business and then you need to have the experience or skill set to where you can actually unlock new value or else it doesn't, you know, the transaction wouldn't make any sense. So I kind of, I, I had this turning point where I realized, well, starting businesses is pretty cool, but I, I think maybe what I'm even more interested in is finding businesses that already exist and investing in them or buying them in partnership with other like-minded guys and, and growing them. And so that's really what I've been doing since that time. Yeah. Just to unpack this, public equity, equity is stocks. Private equity is any interest in a business that is not publicly available to everybody. And you're buying in with either money or you're buying in with skills, expertise, relationships, connections, but usually both because mm -hmm. you're going to go and buy a piece, a share, the entire business. And then you're going to apply those strategies and skills that you have to help grow and scale it. And so you can be on either part of that transaction. If you're somebody who's just got a bunch of money, you can pump it into businesses and get strong stakes and bet on the people who are operating it. But what I love about what you're talking about is how can I actually add disproportionate value to the business, whether I'm the operator or whether I'm an advisor coming in to help support that company. And I want to buy as much of that business as I feel comfortable with at the valuation that I feel comfortable with, and then taking the skills, knowledge, and experience that you have to then go out and be able to grow the value exponentially and set that business up for either amazing cash flow or a beautiful exit on the end. You hit the nail on the head, Stephen. That's exactly right. Yeah, and to be clear, you can make a totally passive investment in private equity and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And it actually, so they call that being an LP investor, right? And I am an LP investor in several different private equity funds. Um, and I think that's a legit strategy. It's a good way to, you can make great investments that way, passive investments that provide you with cash flow and so on and so forth. But they're not the they're not the highest point of leverage, right? Like the mm -hmm. the the deals that have made me the highest returns have been those exactly what you say. I forget the exact word you use, but basically leverage where you're, you're, you're not just putting money in, but presuming that you're comfortable with the valuation and presuming that it fits into your overall portfolio. They're those opportunities where you're going, I want to buy as much of this as I possibly can, because it's, it's like asymmetric odds. It's like, uh, I know this industry. I know this is a good deal. I understand the factors. And it actually isn't an efficient market, right? Like with publicly traded stocks, it's generally an efficient market, but with private equity, there can be all sorts of little corners of the business world where there aren't other people competing against you to, to buy this business. And so you can invest in good terms. And then again, presuming that you have value, you can add some of these businesses in the private equity world, they can you can double them overnight, right? That's that's not going to generally happen in, in most other types of business. Yeah. Well, what I think is so important to underline, because I don't think most people are thinking like this, 
which is you can be an LP and you can make an investment, which is phenomenal. And it's a great way to be able to grow your wealth and not spend any time. But if you're in a position where you have skills, resources, network, connections, and experience, that in itself can be a value to that business. And whether you're exchanging those skills and knowledge for equity in the company, like a traditional advising relationship or a traditional employment uh, or partnership type relationship, when you then invest that money as well, you're getting a multiple on the returns because if you're growing the business and you're doing X, Y, Z from your time, you're putting in a little bit of time because you know what are those levers to pull, it's going to grow the size of your dollars that you have in that investment and put you in such a better position, a better position to be able to make great money. And, and theoretically, you're only going to do this on things that you actually want to work on. Totally. And, and you know, and another aspect of that, to your point about things you want to work on, people you want to be involved with, you know, I just love entrepreneurship. Like I think it's in, uh, it's in my blood. Like I said, my dad was an entrepreneur. It's, I literally started my first business in my dorm room with my roommate. And then literally, uh, 19 years later, we're still business partners. So it's in my blood and and it's, I feel like it's my, my tribe, so to speak, you know, um, not even intentionally. It's just when I, like you and I were just briefly chatting before the show and Steven, we've talked, I don't know, maybe five times previously or, or something. So it's not like we've known each other a ton, but we're both entrepreneurs. And so just like instantly when we start talking, we just have that instant rapport, right? Because we're both, I, I think your words were, this is like a game, right? And I think at mm -hmm. some point when you have financial security, it is kind of a game, not, not in a bad way, but the, the money becomes a measuring stick for success and you become more uh, motivated by almost, um, I don't know, like excellence. Like you want to like, like, like you look at it, like it's a riddle, like how, how can I make this business operate better? Um, and so I think, you know, even in, to be in a position to think that way or to be involved in, in projects like that, that you're passionate about, it's an incredible blessing. So like, I know that, that we're both blessed, you know, to, to be able to do that. Um, but to your point, when you can find projects where you have passion and where you have connections that can add value, it really is win-win. It's not dividing up the same pie into slices and you're arguing over, well, who gets the bigger slice? You're literally coming to a business and saying, hey, I have a connection or skill set. We, we can double your revenue growth or, or whatever metric it is. And that, that literally is a win-win. It's creating new economic value. Yeah. So if somebody is listening to this and they're thinking, hey, that's really interesting. Maybe I don't have a ton of money or maybe I don't have a ton of time, but I've got one of them or maybe I have both. What were the things that you learned? I know there's a ton of them. So let's think of a couple of the things that you learned when it came to this idea of if you want to get in the game, and you want to play in private equity, you want to work with other entrepreneurs, you want to invest money and skills and knowledge, how would you recommend somebody goes and does that? And maybe how did you go and do that? That's a good question. And uh, you're right. I'm sure I could say a million different things, but probably the biggest thing and the, the, the pattern that I've noticed in my own deal flow 
has been network. And if, and if I look at really my, it's roughly 20 year business career, all the companies I've been involved in, whether ones that I've co-founded or invested in or exited or funded or whatever, it's a pretty small cast of characters. You know, it, it in some cases, um, like, like the guy who funded my business in 2005, then he actually funded my business in 2008. And then he bought a business in 2011 from me or the first micro PE deal that I really did that had success. That was eight years ago. I just did another deal with that partner last year, right? It's, it's the same group because we have trust, we have rapport. And honestly, if without it, and it's not even a huge network, it's honestly, it's pretty small, but without those key people who I have relationships with, my deal flow would be zero. I would just be like, you know, because if you just Google, go to Google and type like businesses to buy, I mean, I'm sure that you could find something that way, but you're going to be going through a slog of a ton of bad opportunities, what I would say are probably bad opportunities. Again, I'm sure there's some good ones in there, but you're at a real disadvantage because it's like, who owns this? Can they be trusted? You know, and and so on and so forth versus you have a trusted friend or a business partner or a previous business partner or coworker that you worked with five years ago, but that you had a good relationship. And they say, Hey, let me tell you about this, this thing or this project or this side project I'm doing or, wh or whatever. In my experience, that's how all my good deals have happened is, is through that, that network. And, and frankly, Steven, I wish I had, I wish you should maybe give me, me tips on how do I expand my network? Because I'm finding that that is where all the good deal flow comes from. Yeah. So the first thing is really deal flow. And from your experience, it's come from network. It's like, there's nothing more valuable than the relationships that you have when you show up from a place of giving and value. And as a person of influence, it's one of the reasons why going out and going to an event or paying for the opportunity to be in a room with certain people like a mastermind or a workshop. Um, and then asking those people, Hey, who do you know that might do this? You know, we, we started underwriting a bunch of businesses in the last 12 to 18 months. And one of the best exercises that I went through personally, and I know you've probably done something similar is I went through everybody that I could possibly think of who might know somebody who could know somebody. And then you go out and you start letting people know, Hey, this is what I'm looking to do. I'm looking to advise you know, small to, to medium-sized companies that, you know, have five to $10 million of revenue and, you know, have some kind of good profit margin, or I'm looking for deals that are uh, turnaround deals that have 10 million plus of revenue, but they're losing money better if it's even higher revenue. Um, and then when you have a specific ask of people and you can start sharing it, they start thinking of you and they want to start sending more opportunities your way because everyone, not everybody, but a lot of people, most people I think naturally want to help one another. And when they're not in that scarcity mindset of, Oh, Hey, he's going to take something from me. It's like, Hey, I'd love to be able to send, I'd love to be able to send, um, Andy a deal. I'd love to be able to help him get where he wants to go. And I don't even have to expect anything in return. I might get paid for that information. I might be able to participate. Something great might happen 
10 years down the road that has nothing to do with me and Andy, but because I helped him, somebody else came into my world. You never know. And it's, it's, it's really a way of thinking. And I think the book, The Go-Giver is one of the best examples of that philosophy. Steven, I, I love that. And it, you know, the point of just asking, it's funny how many people um, are afraid to ask for help. And you strike me as a very confident person, like rightfully so, like you're a very successful person. You have a very successful podcast. So I think you're a confident person. You're not afraid to ask something. Like if you don't know something, you're not afraid to ask like, Hey, I, you know, could you help with this? Or do you have any tips on this? Or, and I think so many people are just afraid to put it out there. Like I'm looking and, and to your point, there are so many, like when someone asks me for advice, I'm like, Oh, what a compliment this is. This person asked me, for, wow, they must think the world of me. They must think that Andy's this really smart guy who gives great, right? So it's actually, it feels good to be asked for help. And I think a lot of people are perfectly willing to help you, even if they're they're not compensated with just a referral. But you have to ask. You, like you, you can't just assume people know what's in, like that applies to me as well. Like people can't just assume that, uh, like I can't assume that people know I'm into private equity and that I, I like micro PE and I'm looking for deal flow and I specialize in the payments industry. I have to actually go out and say that and and say, Stephen, do you know anybody in the payments industry who might be looking for liquidity or or help grow in their business? I'm confident, but I have a ton of fears and anxieties and challenges of my own. And I think the the key that I've experienced, and this might be different for other people, is even when you're in fear of, of asking the stupid question or asking somebody for help, do it anyways, because the worst thing somebody can do is say no. Right. And if you do it in a way that doesn't come off negatively, and maybe you even do it from a place where you make yourself smaller, as if you're asking for a huge favor, people will be like, oh, that's not really a big favor. I'm happy to help. I'm happy to give you some advice. And even the 10 people who say no, one person says yes. And all of a sudden now you have somebody who's your own advisor on your path towards getting in the game. So first one's deal flow. What comes next? After deal flow, um, success in private equity, I would really stress you want to know yourself and, and um, meaning that if you know that you succeed in a particular niche in adding value, but at the same time you have these other blind spots or weaknesses, it's so much better to be upfront with yourself and honest with yourself and also with others, right? Because I think coming into private equity as an entrepreneur, like as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, you're expected to have all the answers, right? Like you're like if someone, if an employee or an investor or even a customer asks you a question, like you, you need to know the answer. It needs to be right. And even when you're wrong, like you need to be right, like you need to have an answer and you need to deliver it confidently, right? Um, I think in private equity, it's like if you are an active investor, if you're coming in on the board of directors or in a partnership, the way to apply leverage is to identify what it is that you do best. And, and it probably is even the thing maybe that you enjoy, right? Because when you're passionate about something and it's fun, it's way easier to show up to work and work hard and it doesn't feel like work. So if you can figure out like, what what is it that I do that almost feels easy to me? It's almost like effortless for me and it's fun. 
But then other people are like, whoa, you do that? That's really hard. Like I could never do that. If you can find ways to add value to a project or company where you're staying in that zone and staying in that lane, um, to me, that's the win-win, right? Because that's where you're having fun. You're not pretending you're something you're not. And at the same time, whatever skill set you're giving them is something that, you, that you're already good at, right? And it doesn't even need, you don't even need to be the best, right? Like I'm good at marketing. I'm not the best. I'm nothing great. Like I'm probably not even top 10%. Maybe I'm like top 30% or something. But there's a lot of companies that they just need basic marketing. They do not need the world's best market. They just need to block and tackle and get the basics right. So whether it's marketing or finance or sales, if you just know like this is the thing that I do pretty effortlessly, the world is your oyster. There's a ton of companies I can guarantee that could use that skill set. And I think that if you're not confident, it's going to be difficult for you to go in and pitch somebody, pay me for doing this or give me equity or let me buy in and do this skill set for you. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that confidence, no problem. The first step is going out and saying, hey, where do I have leverage? What am I the best at? How can I add value to other people in the world? And carve out five hours a day, 10 hours a week, 10 hours a month to go out and do that for other people at no cost to them mm. and just say, hey, I really want to do this. I think it's going to help you grow. I think it's going to help you get to the place where you want to be. Do you mind if I make this introduction? I think this connection is going to help you. And then you do it and you don't expect anything to come from that. And yet what you're doing is you're building your confidence because you see yourself delivering that out to other people. and maybe there's an ask that says, Hey, if this works out, I'd love for you to share a couple lines or, uh, be able to be a referral or a reference from, you know, what that was like, but you don't even need to ask that because if you're doing it for the right people, they're going to want to reciprocate without ever asking for it because you don't expect it. They're going to be like, heck yeah, I want to, I want to help you back in return. Um, and if you do that five times, even one time somebody reciprocating is going to help you move forward to getting deeper into the game. If this is the game you want to play. Totally. And, and, you know, whatever it is, whatever skill you want to learn or that you do know, this is one point I really want to drive home is that you don't, I, I, maybe this is uh maybe I shouldn't say this out loud, but like, you don't need to be the best. Like, I think we're all used to hearing like, I want to be the best. I want to be the world's number one, this or the number one that like, no, I, I don't want to be the best. Like, like I have a podcast. Is it the best finance podcast? No, <laughs> I don't even think that's my goal. Right. Or like I said, I like, I'm a marketing guy. Am I in the top 1% of, am I the best marketer in the world? No. But if you're in private equity, especially micro PE, small to mid-sized businesses, there are, almost always maybe i shouldn't say always but almost always take any smaller mid-sized business show me their business operations there will be multiple places in their business where the execution is abysmal is terrible right where they're just getting by where they barely even do the thing maybe they don't do it at all maybe it's a total disaster it could be bookkeeping it could be marketing it could be management it could be any you know any any business activity and so if you're making an investment in a smaller mid-sized business and you can come in and be like, you know, you can even be honest, be like, you know, 
I'm I'm really good at blocking and tackling with finance and bookkeeping. I'm not the world's best, but I'm I'm consistent and I think I could add value and really improve this situation. A lot of small and mid-sized businesses will be like, you are a godsend. We don't need the world's best bookkeeper. We just need somebody to show up and, you know, to do it right. Um and so I I don't know, Stephen. Am I am I sort of am I killing a sacred cow here by saying you don't need to be the best? I don't think so. I think it's great to be the best that you can be and to continue mm -hmm. to strive to grow and and challenge yourself. But the world needs people who are going to take action, who are going to share strategies and find the right people to implement them if they're not going to implement them themselves. And and what you need is the result. And so if you mm -hmm. can go out and help create results, you're going to be in a better place. And you don't have to be the number one person in the industry to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know we're getting close on time. Share with the audience where they can find you, find your podcast or uh, or follow along. Yeah, absolutely. So my my sort of online headquarters is Wealth Channel. We, we've talked about that a little bit, um, not too much, but so wealthchannel.com, that's my, my sort of homepage, home base these days online. And it's also what hosts my podcast, which is the Alternative Investment Podcast. And on the show, I talk about a lot of the same things we've talked about today. Like I talk a little bit about entrepreneurship, but all different kinds of alternative investments, including private equity, micro private equity, like we've discussed, but also the purely passive stuff, you know, how to invest passively into real estate, into hedge funds, private credit, things like that. It's obviously it's a passion for me. And I just, the, the goal of Wealth Channel, the goal of my show is to basically bring on the other smart people, the smartest people doing this stuff in these different asset classes, picking their brain, getting their insights and sort of gathering all that content in one place as, as an educational resource. Yeah, it's a really great place if you're looking to get more knowledge and skills and connections when it comes to investing in private equity, real estate, businesses, et cetera. Definitely check out Wealth Channel. We'll wrap up on this question. From my view, the reason to invest, the reason to do business is to create a better life. What's your definition or what's your view on creating a great life? Oh boy, that's a deep question. Well, um, I mean, to me, it, it is about balance. Um, I love entrepreneurship. I love business. I would say in my early 20s, I was, I was not living a very balanced life. I, I was too focused on success and business as i got married as i got older had a family now i have you know i have a beautiful wife i have five beautiful kids we go to church every sunday or saturday night and i'm happiest when those when those things are in balance with each other you know when i have a challenging job that's engaging me intellectually and that i'm working hard at but then when i can also turn it off in the evening and spend time with my kids and prioritize my wife so you know, maybe that's cheesy. Maybe it's what everybody says, but I also think it's the truth that like, you know, just kind of living a, a quote unquote normal life where things are in balance with each other. Um, as older I get, the, the more that that sounds like, you know, <laughs> the good plan to me. Yeah. I think it's finding the balance for the chapter of life that you're in. There's something mm. really, really powerful for that. And thank you so much, Andy, for joining us today. It was great talking with you. I look forward to having you back on to dive into some more stuff another time. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you on the next episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Von Finch Capital. 
If you're interested in investing alongside me in the same type of real estate opportunities that I personally invest in, then head over to Von Finch Capital and join their private investor network. You can do so at vonfinch.com slash invest. Join me on that next deal. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. Hey, this is Steven again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is the Insider's Newsletter. Would you enjoy getting a single email every week with some of my favorite things, including tips and strategies on how to get the most out of your life and your investments? Basically, what it is is some of the coolest things that I've discovered or am pondering when it comes to life, investing, and business delivered in a short email every week to your inbox. Easy to sign up for, easy to cancel. If you'd like to try it out, type into your browser, investormindset.com newsletter to get started, and you'll get the very next one.